Welcome to another episode of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike Bate, here with my buddies, who's always keeping it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. Woo, woo, woo. Very nice. And then staying freshly squeezed down in Bayview, my good buddy, Matt Michelson. Hey, yo. I Sorry, Steve, I had to steal your line this week. <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I conscientiously conscientiously objected to it this week so you could use it it was open it was available i know i I appreciate it nice i love it when you guys come in with the uh impressions you never know what you're gonna get yeah anything uh, can happen oh oh my god and i just realized we missed out on a really obvious easy one just like a snapchat story those impressions are gone steve (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) mama mia yeah, speaking of Mamma Mia and out of nowhere, Mauro Ronaldo and WWE uh, NXT announcer are parting ways. Uh, what I thought Mauro Ronaldo was one of the most, you know, um, high-priority assets that NXT had, he is now leaving the show. Uh, that was just released tonight, shortly before we uh, started recording tonight. So we don't really have all the details, but what we understand it is mutual. So this is one guy that I'm really going to miss. What are your guys' thoughts? I agree 100%. Mauro Ronaldo, to me at least, was really what made NXT kind of take that next step up from a developmental brand to more of a what I like to call a super indie. Um, he, mm-hmm. he had just a, an iconic voice. Well, had. I mean, he, he's obviously still doing things moving forward, just not with WWE. Um, but I think his voice really lent some weight to that show in particular. Um, prior to NXT, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, um, some, some of the more hardcore fans might, some won't, but he actually did uh, commentary and announcing for a lot of famous boxing matches, um, mm-hmm. UFC fights as well. So he's been in combat sports for a while um, before he joined WWE. Um, during his time there, he had a couple of bouts with mental uh, health issues, uh, specifically mm-hmm. bipolar disorder. Um, so far, what we've heard is that uh, the next step I believe he's going to take has something to do with managing his own mental health. And also uh, some of his relatives suffer from the same issues. So I think he's taking some time off to put some effort into that. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm definitely going to miss his pop culture references, though, <laughs> when it comes to NXT. Um, some people, they drive them crazy. I think they were great when he first started doing them because you could tell it was genuine. It was organic. It was what he did. Um, but just like everything WWE does, they had to overscript it and shove it down your throat for a couple of years before you finally yeah. got sick of it. So, um, but all the best to him. He's a great commentator. Yeah, I agree. And I think... Um... He, um, yeah, it's, I don't want to speculate on anything, but I think his, um, the mental illness, mental illness thing, I think is definitely got, it seems like it's been recurring throughout his career. I know he wrote a book, which WWE, at least, you know, like Triple H and others were really supportive when he wrote it. And, um, hopefully, um, 
hopefully it's not something just as, I mean, hopefully there's like a opportunity in this too. Like maybe he's, I know, um, as I've listened to like brewer games and stuff recently, like during the commercials, they've been, there's some fight league out there where they actually had his voice. So I don't know if he's just going to kind of continue to do the combat sports thing at some point, but I would imagine, you know, if he's willing, um, there's lots of opportunities out there for him. Yeah. yeah that's... Being that we put him over now, um, I feel like we also have to throw in, uh, just some shout outs to some of the pop culture references he made, because let's be honest, it, it did get a little overbearing, but man, some of them were just too good. <laughs> like, oh my God. If, if I he- didn't hear him mention Snapchat on an episode of NXT or a malfunction at the junction, it just, it wasn't a good <laughs> episode of NXT. Yeah. Yeah. His, um, 80s and 90s hip-hop references are stellar like a lot of beastie boys a lot of tribe called quest a lot of groups that i love to listen to and i mean i do follow him on instagram too so like i see him play like the piano he likes to like just show like piano stuff that he's working on so he can actually play piano and it's like his therapy so he like puts it out there and it's not like it's amazing stuff but it's you know it's It's him showing vulnerability and a little side of himself so i and that is kind of what i immediately thought of when um we first heard this story but i gotta think it's extra hard with covid going on i know it's been hard you know for all of us but you know someone who's working in a company that's in the spotlight that has to go to work sometimes in fear in the very early stages of this thing nxt i didn't think or wwe didn't really handle it the greatest i thought and that's my opinion um, so there could be just a lot of crap going on and maybe we should have saw the writing on the wall because they, uh, uh, brought bad news Barrett, um, uh, in as a commentator now. So yeah, the timing is interesting was, on that. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe it was, um, forecasted, but he would be the last person that I would think to leave, but I didn't know his background in uh compact sports and it might be just a more comfortable gig, a little bit more mentally relaxing for him something where you can just kind of punch in, punch out kind of thing. It's um, just interesting when you, I mean, again, all of them could be completely unrelated, but you got Wade Barrett, um, Renee Young. Mm-hmm. It's just a big changing of some of the non-wrestling yeah. personalities. Now. And Nigel. Uh, and Nigel, yes. Yeah. So is Beth Phoenix still doing it? Yeah, she's still on there. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard her voice in a little bit. I know they they well, really interchange people a whole lot. Let's not gloss yeah. over the biggest announcer of all of them that got you know released was Aiden English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually really liked him. I thought he was good. Uh, Dude is talented. He is. I actually hesitated there for a minute because I completely <laughs> forgot that Aiden English was a commentator on NXT. But you're right. He was good. Um, I mean, obviously, he has a great voice and all his Rusev Day intros. Like, if you don't remember those, just think of that and picture yeah. that commentary. It was. I just, I mean, solid. you know, like like his career arc and WWE started kind of with the network because, you know, that's when NXT was on there. I mean, and I know NXT was around before the network, but... I guess I'm being egocentric here. It's like my world started with the network because I never watched NXT before it. But, you know, he was the single, like the single star, like opera guy. And then um, then he went on to the vaude villains. And then, I mean, that, didn't they actually won the titles? And I, I kind of really bought into them for a while. And they moved to the main roster. And yeah, you know, I, you, you know what happens there. I like them, the vaude villains. It was an interesting 
take and I liked I I liked the costumes and I liked yeah. the intro. I don't know what happened there. They just kind of disintegrated. They fired the they fired the one guy and then uh yeah, <laughs> they kind of put an end to the team. But yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent for Mo- poor, poor Moro. We're talking about other people now. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. Well, if Moro wants any payback on us, uh, he can. But speaking of payback, <laughs> not a bad pay-per-view uh, this last Sunday. And I thought it was going to be a real squash, uh, you know, payback. A lot of these ones with the just janky names. You One week. get a janky show. One week after Survivor or SummerSlam is like, yeah, there's lots of criticism about what, like, what are they doing? But yeah, true. Yeah. But um, it wasn't that um, not their worst showing wasn't their best showing, but it definitely was not their worst. There was a lot of good stuff that happened. Some title changes. Uh, one of them being Bailey and Sasha going up against the new team of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Uh, you know, two ladies that have been basically absent from the roster get paired up, get a shot at the title right away, and what happens? They win in perfect WWE fashion. Yeah, I've never uh, teamed before. Like, the chemistry was just off the charts instantly. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't tell, there's definitely some sarcasm there. Yeah. Um, I mean, being that this was probably the best bad pay-per-view of all time, I was really surprised by this match because, to me, this was the match of the night. Um, as far as like in-ring work goes and things like that. And I, to be fair, that's not saying a ton, but the story they told in this match, I thought was really good. Uh, Shayna Baszler wrestled almost like she was back in NXT. It was yeah, really, very well. Like the match felt um, more like the wrestlers had a, a hand in telling the story and putting together what they wanted to do. So that'd, be, that'd be great if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So Shayna came off really strong. Nia Jax, as usual, just kind of plotted around. Um, there was a lot of really sloppy spots with her and Sasha and Bailey. Um, it made the match kind of hard to watch in the middle of it. But then the moment, moment Shayna would get involved, it's like things took a turn and got super serious. Um, this match definitely had the best finish of the night. Steve, yeah. I don't know if you saw this match. And like if you saw the ending, what did you think of it? I saw it in still shots where it was like the – yeah, I think – I always give credit when they're when they kind of come up with something unique and um yeah i thought um i thought it was pretty cool and i think um finally we're going to see after all this slow 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 burn i think you know the sasha bailey feud is is about to begin <laughs> it's kind of and, a shame uh, that they that they use that finisher with no actual crowd there because that mm. was a finish that i never yeah. saw before and it was insanely unique very well executed yeah. and you know right this is Shayna baszler's alley like where it's like wow they gave a wrestler one of their assets of what they use is submission to win the yeah. belts and th- they did it and like i was very surprised I thought there was going to be something where they would kick out, but I was glad to see when they put all those holds on her. I mean, it was like an ankle lock and do a chin yeah. lock. Yeah, and it was Bailey, right? That, that um, yeah, was the one. So I mean, that'll be your yeah. instant feud with, uh, or that'll be the instant resentment is that yes, you you cost us the belts. Yeah. Exactly. I I love the ending to this match. The the booking and the thought behind it was 
amazing because instantly it makes Shayna look vicious. Like she can take on mm-hmm. two people at once. You have Bailey coming off as the weak link in the team. Sasha being the one saying, nope, I'm not going to tap out. But it, it's interesting because if you guys think back to NXT when Shayna had the, I don't even know how to say it, the Kirakuda clutch, I think it is. Right. Her finishing. Something like, that sounds right. Yeah, that's. I'm sure our listeners will correct us if we got that wrong. 100 percent. Oh, here we go. Start the count. That's once. So, <laughs> I I 100 percent all night. So, Bailey um, was the one caught in that hold, and she's also the one who tapped out. So that lends itself two ways. One is yep. it makes her the weak link in the team, but it also puts that move over as being super intense and something that nobody can get away from. So, in that crazy finish where Shayna's submitting two people at the same time you have all these different things going on and it didn't feel forced either it just kind of flowed with the rest of the match um yeah i i really liked this match i thought it was really well done one other element uh being bailey was the one that tapped out just going with her karen persona her (laughs) tapping out would be like this hurts too bad like you know karen's complaining so (laughs) That's another element that they worked in very masterfully. Hats off, WWE. Sorry, well, I, I th- cut you off there, Steve. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because I would imagine Sasha and Bailey will try to get their belts back and they'll milk out some time of them being dysfunctional. But let's, you know, so let's just say they're heading towards Bailey, Sasha, maybe WrestleMania, maybe sooner. Um, what, you know, who's going to, who, who left in the women's division is going to take on that tag team now, like they're gonna yeah. have to put together a new team, I think, because well, they might be, you know, the taking iconic, it, they might take oh. it underground. Oh, interesting. Could be. I'm raw. The only way to get it off them is to do it on a straight up fist fight, fight um, underground style. I'm just maybe a uh, man throwing his arms around Naya and Shayna, like ladies, ladies, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard of raw underground? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing in general that I think Payback did really well um, for being only one week after SummerSlam is they did a really good job of keeping all the storylines going and not, not in a way where anything conflicted either. Like things kept going in the direction that you, that made sense. Um, The way all the matches ended on Payback were really just clean finishes. Um, All the booking was done really well. It, It was, it was super predictable, but they did something really different with every match. Um, and it ended in a way where you're like, yeah, that, that's, that makes sense to me. I like that. That's the way in my mind that I'd want this to be. And I can kind of start to see now where this is going. So I'll be honest, after watching Payback, I kind of want to start to get back into Monday Night Raw or maybe even SmackDown. But maybe give it a few more weeks until you start to see more consistency. Because right now, I would say we've had maybe two weeks of you know, consistent booking, continuing storylines. Give it a couple more weeks, and then I think you know maybe it's worth starting to watch the television program again between pay-per-views. Right. The only reason I would watch those main roster shows would be for Keith Lee, who did uh, beat Randy Orton uh, on his first uh, main roster <laughs> pay-per-view. Uh, he did go up against the Legend Killer, and it was a very great match. I mean, he wasn't wearing a skirt, but he was still wearing a shirt. So... We're, he, we're, but, but most importantly, he won. <laughs> exactly. So um, I think, yeah, 
Vince uh, is probably going to push this guy, which is very strange. Like right off the bat, usually he buries the guys right away. And it seems like Keith Lee will have some momentum going here. Yeah. This, so. um, this was a really like a good Randy Orton match, um, <laughs> which take that for what it's worth, I guess. But yeah, it, it did a good job showcasing Keith Lee, what he can do. If you're new to Keith Lee and you haven't watched NXT, I thought it was a really good intro to Keith Lee and what he's capable of. Um, a lot of people I know, I think it was a week ago when he first debuted on Raw, were really upset because of his new outfit and also the new entry. Music. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I missed that. So payback was my first time seeing Keith Lee on the main roster, the outfit, they definitely, I think took some, you know, feedback from the fans and kind of said, okay, well, we're going to keep the shirt, but we're going to give him back his old trunks, which fair enough, whatever I can get, I'll take, um, the entrance music, at least they still, you know, sing his little jingle in the beginning of it before it goes to generic track number three. Um, yeah, and God, like, I could never even recognize that as his intro music, even if I heard it a hundred times. I agree. Like, it's, there's, like, no even, it makes no sense at all. It's kind of like, as, daily, as far as the song goes. Yeah. So, I don't know if we talked about this, but, so, the reason for that, um, a lot of people were wondering, well, why would they change Keith Lee's music? So, supposedly... There was a group who did all the music for WWE up until very recently, um, CFOs or CFO Dollar, I think was the name of the group. And so they would produce and, you know, they had a very heavy hand in everything related to everyone's entrance music. Supposedly recently, something got mixed up or like there was a dispute over royalties or something like that. So once that happened, uh, WWE basically had to pivot and say, all right, we're going to start either creating our own music in-house or we need to get away from using this group. So that's what they've started to do now. So a lot of the music that you're hearing um, is produced in a completely different way, mostly to save money. And it's not just a little bit of money. Um, supposedly, it's a lot of money. So Yeah, I believe it. And I guess Keith Lee like was told this when he came to the main roster. They're like, Keith, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to change your music. Here's why. Like, Are you going to be okay with that? Um, and he actually offered up because there were other superstars who were asked to do the same thing and said, no, I want to keep my music the way it is. Um, but supposedly he was like, yeah, I, I understand it. It's fine. So being kind of a team player company guy, he said, yeah, we can change it. That's okay. Interesting. Makes sense though. Cause yeah, paying the, they probably have the interns uh, making the music now at garage band. Cause if I can make some intro music, I think anybody can. So <laughs> Anyway, um, another great match on the card. Uh, Close the evening was Braun Strowman versus The Fiend versus Roman Reigns, who was late to sign the contract for the match to make it official. However, the match started heavy-handedly with Strowman and The Fiend and offered something that we haven't seen in a long time, the collapsing of the ring off of a superplex. Well, it wasn't a superplex. It was just a suplex off the top rope since the Fiend's little legs couldn't get all the way up to the top. The Fiend has the weirdest body to me. Like, his chest is bigger than anybody on the roster, but then he's got, like, these little these little Pegs. legs that, you know, you know those uh, Christmas ornaments where it's, like, a bell on the top, and then they have, like, the little legs, and when you shake them, it, like, cranks the bell? That's what it reminds me of when he wears, like, those Beetlejuice red and black pants. We uh, The it's three really of us... Weird. 
the three of us went <laughs> to an NXT show at Turner Hall here in Milwaukee probably a couple of years ago. And I remember uh, Kona Reeves was kind of in the mid card at the time. And he was playing a heel, as, which he does pretty well, um, almost in a Baron Corbin kind of way, though, where you just don't care and want him to go away. But anyway, during the match, um, someone in the crowd started the chant, don't skip leg day, which really got under Kona Reeves' skin. Um, I think they probably should have chanted that at Bray Wyatt instead, because when you see the Fiend in the ring, to your point, Mike, yeah, it, it's, it, it's definitely interesting. Um, but as far as the match itself goes, it, I thought it was fine. I mean, it, you know, I, I feel like we've had so many matches over the last couple of years that have been just big spot after big spot, you start to kind of get numb to it after a while, which, which sucks. Cause I love those big moments and wrestling. Like that's what keeps you watching and makes it special. But after a while, if you're overexposed to it, it just kind of gets old. Um, but that being said, the ring collapse did definitely catch me by surprise. Cause that is not, that's something I at least haven't seen in a long time. So mm. to me, that was pretty cool. I guess my minor quibble on that, though, is that I think I, I feel I could, I could be wrong on the exact years, but in the last five years, I think it's happened at least three times. And that, that's oh, really? Like, that's too, too many. Like, <laughs> Shit. Show, I, I, I'm that's sorry. Big, this... big, big Show and Braun, I think it happened with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like it happened one other time. But uh, yeah, so I mean, and I, I saw those times. So I was oh, kind of, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, it's, not a, it's not a hard criticism because I thought it was solid yesterday. But I missed I that. do not need to see that again. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I missed it. And it probably makes more sense with no crowd being there for liability reasons, just in case the hardest part of the ring somehow snaps off and hits a fan uh, ringside in the face. A huge liability. Not like Vince would even pay him anyway. But yeah, well, yeah it, it'd be way easier to stage. Like, uh, you know, when they went up the ramp, they were probably already rigging up the ring so it would collapse to make it, you know, seem super simple. Yeah. But um, the match ended with um, Roman Reigns coming in late and um, being escorted down to the ring by Paul Heyman, which I love the combo of those two. And I think maybe Roman Reigns growing that beard, it's helping. Uh, it's, I, I think he looks more of a villain. Paul, uh, pairing him with Paul Heyman, great move. Well, right? and I and, gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit, um, a man's gotta admit when they're wrong. But I believe I've rather emphatically said last time that Roman Reigns was not going to be a villain, and they will not do that. And I didn't understand why those articles were saying that, and they appear to be going that route with him. I mean, Heyman um, did some heel moves, right? Did, I mean, wasn't there a crutch? Uh, a crotching and some other stuff yesterday coming into the lat match midway through is not a baby face move. And yeah, it's right. definitely not a baby face move. Um, that really surprised me. So, so in case you guys didn't see the match, so it, the match starts off, the fiend comes out, takes forever to get to the ring, which I don't care to me. It's like watching the undertaker's entrance. I could sit there all night and watch the fiend come out and just listen to that music. I'm, I'm a metalhead anyway. So to me, it's just amazing, but he gets in the ring Strowman appears out of nowhere, attacks him, the lights come on, and then they, the bell rings. And Roman is still nowhere to be seen. So what what's up with that? I mean, I understand, like, Roman hadn't signed the contract yet, but were they going to check and see if he was going to? To me, it just it kind of felt like a strange forced way to get him into the match later on. It does make sense though. It's a classic WWE move. It protects Roman. You get a good banger out of the two big guys beating the hell out of each other, crashing through things, breaking the ring. 
Um, and it puts Roman back on top. It's a great way to hot shot him, you know, within a week of coming back. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I give him props for the uniqueness of the triple threat because I'm not, I'm not by any means anti triple threat, but there is a sort of corniness of like, you know, they hit some guy and then he's abnormally out of the picture for a long time. So the other two can kind of focus. And then half the time you can see him kind of kneeling at ringside, watching the match, but pretending there. So it's like, it's, it's a good, this was a good creative way to have like the two guys go at it for a while and then introduce the third person. Yeah. And the other thing to notice if you watch the match again, or if you notice this the first time is Roman pins uh, Strowman. So mm-hmm. it protects the fiend a little bit. I got to believe they're going to end up having the fiend versus Roman reigns one-on-one at some point. Um, yeah. Whether it's survivor series, potentially, I don't know. Um, but uh, we'll makes see. sense. It's interesting. I mean, they kind of picked up right where they left off with, with a big twist because before Roman went on his medical sort of um, hiatus, I mean, he was clearly poised. He wasn't he going to take on, wasn't he slated to take on the fiend for the title? So I, then like yeah. last week they get the title back on Bray. Although then they go to a triple th- I mean, I guess, yeah, it's actually, it's yeah. The more I think about it, it is strange because Braun was meant to be the interim good guy for most of it you know so they but but what they wound up doing was having roman beat braun so why did they put the title on bray for a week i don't know that's it's interesting it's confusing when you think about it yeah it could be just one of those smash together shows um yeah the what the writers are expressing about vince like we'll just literally change the show 10 minutes before airtime or just that was the big thing that was the big rumor about last week's raw that it was a complete ad lib by Vince mm. and it wasn't a great show I am gaining a little bit more interest little by little but what does have my um, full attention for over a year now is AEW and AEW Dynamite had a great episode um, this last Thursday uh, the biggest news out of it was Hangman Page interfered with his fellow elite members the Young Bucks when they were going up against um, best friends um yeah it was a crazy match best friends are looking better and better side note um really kind of taken to that team a lot just personally but hangman comes out of nowhere and holds the leg of uh, one of the bucks where he couldn't help out uh his fellow buck uh kick out of a pile driver and turning on his bros so later on in the episode they did exile Hangman Page from the Elite, correct? Right. In Crazy. dramatic fashion. Yeah, and it's just interesting. It's like kind of layered. And I guess it's that kind of AEW interesting storyline where you're not quite sure what they're doing. Because um, Hangman was cozy, buddy-buddy with uh, FTR for like weeks now. Right. So I don't know. And it's like, you know, he kind of paved the way for them to get the title shot against him, which seems like he wouldn't want that. But yet you know the bucks are his friends too so it's like you know why 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 did he interfere well he doesn't want to face his buddies but he's still facing buddy i don't know it's yeah they offered zero explanation which is kind of cool because you know he was just silent so what what's his motivation why did he screw over one pair of friends but not screw over the other jericho was like he's drunk which (laughs) was hilarious yeah and also very possible but yeah it is very strange because the elite is pretty much what um 
built AEW Dynamite, that core group. So I, but they have been foreshadowing maybe a partnership, maybe a four horsemen um, thing coming back. And Hangman Page, who rides horses, could be a horseman with FTR and then adding somebody else in. And maybe that fourth member already is Tully Blanchard, a former four horseman. It's very interesting because don't forget, as we talked about last time, Kenny Omega having these flare-ups of heeldom where, you know, Mm. he's just like snapping and it's like, and now his partner who is starting to look like the good guy just inexplicably uh, betrayed the the best baby face team in the yeah, so it's like it's so complicated yeah. and i don't mean that as a criticism i just I, I don't know what they're going with is it yeah is Paige gonna be is he gonna join tully's evil group is kenny omega you know i don't know i'm legitimately confused as to where they're going with this and i like it well well let's hop into um our predictions for all out um hanging and also we should note that a year ago today we were we, we, we had just done hours earlier uh, yoga with DDP, and then we're at the show. We're at the previous All Out. I mean, that was, I think, today. Yep. A year ago. Yeah, that, that showed up on my uh, time hop. And yep. I, I went to All In. Yep. And then I went to All you Out too, last right, Matt? year. Matt, did uh, you do All In? No, I, I didn't okay. go to All In, or I, I don't think I've been to any AEW shows actually up to this point. Um, Mike and I actually had tickets to go to Dynamite in Milwaukee back. I think Same it was going to be on April first. Yeah. Um, but then, unfortunately, you know, the quarantine happened, and, and it was pushed to late October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't which know we I mean. might see too now because now they're allowing There's... people in, and you could tell how Jericho was so jacked up. He's like, God, I missed this. It's electrifying. Although, like it does make that's in, it's it's encouraging, but they haven't left dailies yet. So I mean, I'm hoping. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I got a bad feeling about Milwaukee in October, but yeah, I guess you never know. And what are they going to do? Are they at that point? Are they just going to refund it or? Um, Probably. Yeah. yeah. Or I maybe just they'll be really a lottery. For, I was yeah. really looking forward to that. It's one thing to travel. Uh, well, I should say it's one thing to um, to allow fans into shows, and I, you know AEW starting to do that now, which is great. But yeah, I think it's a different thing to travel with your entire crew and yeah. all the talent and everything. There's just there's a lot of other complexities they probably still have to figure out with that. Yeah, yeah. it's probably going to get refunded, and if they did somehow by some act of God, maybe there'd be a lottery for like people that bought tickets. They would all be thrown in the hat, and they only pick like. 800 ticket holders yeah like well let's That'd hope for the fun. sake of keep the kayfabe that all three of us make that lottery oh my god oh. insiders <laughs> <laughs> well yeah let's jump into uh all out um it's gonna be a great show i mean it's basically their wrestle aw's wrestlemania um and it's shaping up very solid um we can go back and talk about uh hangman Page with Kenny Omega versus FTR for the tag team championship belts. I mean, and is is there any way that Hangman and Kenny are going to beat FTR? FTR, since they've entered AEW, has been the hottest tag team. They have Tully Blanchard by their side. They're on this run. Kenny Omega and Hangman are literally at odds. Hangman just got kicked out of the elite. He can't stop drinking. Can they? 
have retained these belts against FTR. I'd, I don't. Think I'd like so. to remind you that anything can happen in the ranks of professional wrestling. <laughs> True that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so after seeing last week, it, you know, when the Bucks went off on Hangman because of everything he did, it, Steve, like you said, there's so many layers to this story. It's like pro wrestling historically has been pretty straightforward. You have a good guy, you have a bad guy. Sometimes their motives are a little bit questionable, but usually it's pretty straightforward. Um, AEW's done a really good job, and they always do a good job of kind of mixing different elements. And it's it's very realistic. In real life, you could see things like this happening with people, um, and the stories can get pretty complex. But I think where we're at right now is Hangman has kind of burnt that bridge with the Bucks, or at least he's cut the first rope on the bridge, and it's just hanging on by a thread. We've also seen Kenny Omega in recent weeks start to show more heelish tendencies, like you said. So I think between those two things, you have two guys who are on the verge of a character change, um, both with their own motives to not help each other. I also think with this idea or rumor of a four horsemen, you know, kind of reboot, I think if they're going to pull the trigger on it, now's the time to start the wheels in motion. So the first step to me, at least, sounds like it's having Kenny Omega and Hangman Page drop the belts to FTR. FTR has been great since coming over to AEW. They've been crushing every other team. They're clearly championship material. Um, mm-hmm. So it puts them in a position where they can continue to grow and elevate the division. It allows Kenny Omega to show more heelish tendencies and kind of separate himself from the rest of the elite. And it gives Hangman a, a next step to become part of the Four Horsemen. So you're going with um, FTR to win the belts then, just so we're clear. 100%. I'm going to do the same. I'm going yeah. to um, predict FTR. I think I can't say it any better than 100% said it. Um, I think, yeah, now is the time for the implosion to take place. FTR is the hot hand with Tully. I can't see him losing unless there's like mega shenanigans, but I, I still, I think sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer in wrestling. And I think yeah, FTR should win it. Right. I, I agree. And we are going to keep track of these picks now because since the records are meaningful in AEW, our fantasy picks are also going to be meaningful for keep the KFA podcast. And at well, the end that's... of the year, we'll tally them up and um, maybe we'll get a belt at some point, whoever has the best record of uh i'll, I'll take the belt. pick matches <laughs> we'll get there and in the words um, of on in the words of andre the giant after wrestlemania 3 uh that's why i'm undefeated <laughs> <laughs> all right what about your girl thunder rosa steve oh, versus she's the uh she's the Shida. best yeah as jr said jr has said uh hikiro Shida is on this earth to wrestle and win championships do you think uh, Thunder Rosa is her match? Okay, I'm a huge Thunder Rosa fan. She might well be one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Um, I just don't. I mean, I think this is one of those cool uh, partnerships with NWA, and I think it's it's a super cool dream match to the extent. I got to go with Sheeta, though, because I don't think – unless we learn some news that Thunder Rosa is going to stick around – um, I just don't see it being a uh, title change. Um, 
So yeah, I'm going to go Sheeta. I, I think it'll be it'll be an outstanding match, and I hope it's not the last we see because NWO hasn't been doing much since since COVID. So uh, it's nice to see these people in action. I'm kind of I don't remember if I said this to you guys. Um, or if I even said this last week, but I'm also hoping this is a sign that maybe some, like Nick Aldis will show up for a limited engagement. He had that great feud with Cody um, a year or so ago for the NWA title. Um, he is another outstanding talent, but I think uh, it'll just be an, it'll just be awesome to see uh, Thunder Rosa and a AEW ring turn a lot of heads. Cause I think your future is bright, but yeah, I think she'll lose valiantly. All right. Yeah. Steve has no faith in his, one of his favorite wrestlers, Matt. Who do you have? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to agree with Steve. Um, I, I think Sheeta's going to win it. I. I've noticed that AEW does a very good job of only pulling the trigger on a title change when both people involved are at that level where it's it's a seamless transition or it's almost expected, right? Um, Sheeta has been awesome as a champ in the women's division. Um, I, I don't keep up in AEW as much as I'd like to. So I haven't even really heard a lot about Thunder Rosa. Um, and just based on that alone, like I don't think she's going to win it. I typically, if, if you're hearing a lot of buzz about somebody, then maybe there's a chance that the belt changes hands. But in this case, I don't, I don't think that's the case, at least based on what I've heard. So I'm going to go with Sheeta. Yeah. I think this is kind of in the vein of the war horse, uh, Eddie Kingston before, they signed him um, where it's, you know, it's a super cool indie person that's going to show up. But unless they show the graphic this week that Thunder Rosa is AEW, you know, whatever that, that, that um, I forget what that, that graphic says, but when they officially sign somebody, like if they officially sign her, then I'm going to waver on my pick, but I don't, I don't think that's been announced. Right. This feels just a little too much like sting, at WrestleMania versus Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, Triple H, uh, somebody going into another promotion that should be there, uh, but is probably not going to stick around for a long time. And maybe because it's, they both have face paint, like Sting and Thunder Rosa have similar. Uh, there's no way Sting was going to be Triple H at WrestleMania, whatever it was, um, in San Francisco. So that's why I'm picking Sheeta here, too. That one still hurts. I was, you know, I'm such a huge Sting fan. I had actually, right. del- I actually deluded myself into thinking he was going to win that match. And then, of Welcome course, that, they were never going to let the WCW legend win on that stage. So I should have known better. Yeah, should have known better, dude. Um, do I think this will be the highest rated match on the card? Yes, I do, though. What about uh, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in the Mimosa Mayhem match? Who do you boys like in this one? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Orange Cassidy on this one. And I think it's because Chris Jericho's had a great reign as AEW world champion. Um, he's doing great as a commentator. He, he just seems to find a spot for himself anywhere within the organization. So I don't know that he has a ton to gain by winning this match. I think Orange Cassidy has a lot to gain at this point. Um, you know, obviously they're one and one right now. So whoever wins this kind of goes over in the program. Um, and being it's a gimmick match, I think it would be great for Orange Cassidy to win it. You know, it kind of seems like it would be more in his favor. So yeah, I'm going to go with Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, we talked about it a little last week as well, but I think a corny 
gimmick match involving falling in a vat of water, you know, the classic falling in a, in a liquid, um, that just does not, I mean, somebody as cool as, you know, um, Orange Cassidy, that's not a visual I can even imagine. Yet, you know, um, Jericho would just ham it up and like, and then of course his, his minions will ham it up too and they'll probably all wind up in it. But it's just, you can't have a stipulation like that and have the baby face that's whole image is being cool fall for it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, think, I think, yeah, Jericho doesn't need this win whatsoever. Um, he has done a masterful job as only Chris Jericho does um, putting over the young guy. And I think this completes that story. Mm-hmm. I could not disagree with either of you more. This is Chris Jericho's creation. And as you know, Chris Jericho is the cockiest SOB on the show. And he loves to re- relish in his moments I mean, he was the first AEW champion. This is the Mimosa match. He's for sure going in the batch of Mimosa, in in the pool of Mimosa for sure. His bloated body is going to be bobbing up and down. But Chris Jericho is going to win the Mimosa Mayhem match because they wouldn't give him the stadium stampede win gimmick match, and that was probably his creation too. I'm playing the numbers, and I'm saying he's coming back. And winning this gimmick match? No, no, see, see, man, no, no, I, I don't agree. I think it's kind of like, you know, you watch a hardcore match and somebody pulls out a table. They're never the one who actually puts the guy through the table. If you pull out the table, you're going through the table. Yeah. Chris Jericho brings out the vat full of mimosa. He's going in the vat full of mimosa. So I'm saying he's going into the vat of mimosa, but I'm saying he's winning this match. Wait, so, okay, so, 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 admittedly, I don't know a ton about AEW. So, how do you win this match? I think you, you get can, thrown in. I think much to, to, to um, mess you with can Mike's my odd prediction is that uh, you have to get thrown into the vat. No, no, you can get pinned. You, it's a normal match. And then the stipulation is if you get thrown in, kind of like a coffin match, and shut the lid. I don't, I, I heard it. Uh, today when I was watching uh, AEW, so it's still a little fresh in my mind. They're still going to use pinning and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it's going to end with somebody going into the vat. I'm going to quote quote Gorilla Monsoon right now and say you're a fountain of misinformation about this. (laughs) Maybe a vat full of mimosa of misinformation (laughs) even. Hey, it's your loss column, boys. If you're not pr- picking Chris Jericho to win this match, that's your L to take. Well, I take these ser- I mean, I haven't gotten a match wrong since we started doing this, so I, I, I'm definitely taking these seriously. Are you keeping yeah. track already? Yeah, that's why I'm undefeated. Oh. Well, some people like to have fun here, Steve, on Keep the Kayfabe. <laughs> Let's move on to the Dark Order versus the Nightmare Family. Uh, Scorpio Sky and Matt Cardona, which we could basically just say is kind of the Nightmare family. That's uh, all that's left. Everybody else is crippled. <laughs> right. But this match is going to be pretty sweet, I think. I mean, the Dark Order. Um, which Dark came... Order? Is it Evil Uno and, um, and, and Ripped Guy? I can't think of his I name. It's, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, I really well, hope it's his name. Just call <laughs> me. What, what's I, your name? Uh, ripped Guy. Just I'm that guy. I think it's ten, dude. I was look. I was watching this guy, and that dude is ripped. I mean, he's got like 
dash marks on his pecs, and it's five on one peck and five on the other peck. So his name's got to be 10. I'm no Laura Croft uh, Tomb Raider, but um, I'm pretty sure that would be his name. And the dude is jacked. Like, this guy is going to be put over in this match. I'm, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make my prediction immediately, and it's going to be a new mandate that uh, every time we do predictions, when Evil Uno is in a match, I'm going to pick that team. So I'm going with the Dark Order because I will never pick against Evil Uno. Yeah, that guy's the shit. I'm going to I'm going to agree with Steve uh simply based on the fact that I don't know nearly enough about either of these teams but I know that the Dark Order is on a roll right now with Brody Lee winning the TNT Championship. Cody, I'm sure he's going to want to push that group um so it, it only makes sense for the Dark Order to win it. You know what's well, funny is this what they're doing with the Dark Order. It's so crazy like they're they've gone from being this menacing manipulative group to to being menacing yet weird and and like comical like it's 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 very unique like you know what was the whole point of the like lawnmowers and all that like i like like did you see that part last week where yeah. like they were having their celebration and they talk about all these lawnmowers that uh they bought and like they had them out on the like out there and it's like what is this like it almost yeah. seemed like it was a blatant commercial for the brand of lawnmower but um there just was a shot at matt hardy like the mower of law. Oh, maybe. Like that. Maybe they're but going he's, after him. Though they're not feuding with him, which is weird. Right. But yeah, uh, what... they're just, they're weird. It's its funny. They, they're not going straight up villain. They're going comical. And I kind of like it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love the Dark Order too in this. I They got to win. Well, actually, you know what? <laughs> he's going to argue with himself now. <laughs> it's going to come down with the, it's going to come down to the chicks because... At AEW Dynamite this last Thursday, they made a point to introduce this female that is in the Dark Order. I think Steve referenced it last week. I couldn't, I, I didn't notice her before, but it's this new gal, and they said her name, and I think she's going to have a pivotal role in this. Also, in the Nightmare Family, Brandy is going is is a fully capable wrestler. So I think those two are going to be the X factor in this. They are going to be it's... the ones that decide this match. Um, Anna J is the woman, the woman that's now a member of the Dark Order. And, okay. uh, that doesn't even sound have... dark. It sounds like no. a porn star's name, actually. Why didn't yeah. they make her name like, uh, Felicity Kills Cru- Cruella DeVille or something? Yeah. Felicity oh, Cruella awesome. DeVille. That's what it's got to be. Um, <laughs> is Brady, is Brandy back? I mean, she got choked out. Her husband's like, you know, convalescing somewhere. Is, is she back? I don't know. I don't know. They're not even giving us like the whole story on like we can't even give an accurate prediction to this. So that's why it's I'm so gonna go with the to nightmare the... family. I'm going oh. with the nightmare family just to be different. You are I just, uh, Matt, you, I just you want must... to see a run in by a new wrestler named Felicity Kills. Yeah. <laughs> or Felicity Krilla Deville. Yeah. Either way. Hey, I just dogs. think I just can't help but observe, uh, Mike, that your picks are almost all but assuring you to be the jobber of the group. I mean those are two bad predictions in a row. You know, but somebody's you know got to play it, Steve. Somebody's got to play it. They're the Frankie DeFalco of our group. You can't have a champion without a herd of jobbers behind him. Yeah, but you that's know true. What? It is possible for jobbers to get over. So we'll see how this turns out for Mike. That's true. I'm literally he could... here to make you guys look good. I mean, why do you think I wanted you two on the podcast? Because you obviously know what you're talking about. I'm just a fan, oh, and I put you guys over week to week. And we appreciate that. 
So. Yeah. <laughs> we both appreciate it and expect it. Right. Well, what do you expect out of the Johnny Moxley versus MJF AEW championship Ooh. match? This is probably the most intriguing match on the card. I'm still sticking with my pick, Thunder Rosa, and Sheeta is going to be the match of the night. But MJF versus Johnny Moxley, MJF finally has his shot at the title. What's happening, Matt? Since Man, oh. you like to follow Steve, I'm making you go first. Yeah, so this one, I don't know. I'm honestly torn on this one, and here's why. So John Moxley was just voted the number one wrestler in the PWI 500. So his name's on magazine covers right now. He's actually getting some press that – maybe people who don't normally watch wrestling are seeing right now. So business-wise, I don't know that it makes sense to take the belt off of John Moxley right now because he's, he's on this hot streak, he's getting good publicity, and it's good for AEW to have that. At the same time, I feel like his last few title matches, and they've been good matches, don't get me wrong, but I feel like it's kind, he's kind of at his peak, and I don't know where he goes from here. Um, now, on the other hand, I feel like MJF – has a lot more to gain from winning the title. And I feel like there's a lot more they can do with that. Cause anytime you have a heel with that much heat, like MJF in a championship position, you have a line of faces just waiting to win the belt from him. Um, so you can send him on a great title reign where he's constantly winning and maybe sometimes in not, not the best fashion. So I don't know, man. I, if I had to pick one, I'm honestly going to go with MJF. I'm going to take a risk. Despite what I just said about Moxley and it being good business, I'm going with MJF. Nice. Steve? Um, yeah, those are all excellent points, and I am deeply, deeply confused on this one because I could, I could talk myself. I mean, even as I was listening to Matt, I was, like, wavering on what, what I originally thought. But uh, MJF That's is undefeated. MJF is undefeated as a single star. And if he loses, you can't ever claim that again. It's like, that's a storyline that's over. And uh, is this the time they put the one on the column? I don't know. Um, I came into this until Matt made me waver uh, saying MJF was going to win. But I think, I think I'm going to stick with it. I think MJF's going to win. I think um, he'd make a terrific, like, just despicable champion that somebody uh, Moxley or somebody else is going to chase. Um, I think, um, yeah, I would not bet a cent on this match because I could see it going either way, but I'd flip that coin and go MJF. So right. that being said, how do you think MJF wins? Cause he's got Wardlow in his corner. He does. The close personal friend of uh, Mike bait. That's right. <laughs> My boy Wardlow, baby. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be, yeah, or, or or is something completely unpredictable going to happen? But uh, I don't know. I uh, I haven't worked that out in my head. I mean, obviously, it has to be the most underhanded. Does he uses uh, does he uses ring or uh, does he still does he still brandish that ring he won from that uh, battle Listen, royal? You guys haven't even let me do my pick yet. You're already saying Moxley is going to lose to MJF. Which he is That's not going to do. Oh, here we go. Well, you didn't let me pick yet. <laughs> go. You guys are like, I didn't say shit yet, boys. Oh, hang on, on, hang on. Mike's going to job himself out. Let's hear it. Yeah. 
Clay, Matt, you made an excellent point on how he was the top wrestler in the 100. So, yeah, he's got eyes so, on him and press on yeah, him. Yeah, all 30 people that read uh, PWI these days. But where you guys are <laughs> – where you guys are failing to acknowledge is there's still a 21-man Casino Battle Royale match on this card Ooh. on All Out, and whoever wins that gets a Ooh. shot at the AEW title. So if MJF wins that, do you think MJF has any chance of stopping, say, Brian Cage? I don't know. Archer, uh, Brian Cage any of those, tapped out. Or, or no, those, they had a towel thrown in for him. Well, he, well, that was against Moxley, a guy That's that true. can beat him. So yeah. what I'm thinking is Moxley wins this against MJF because MJF doesn't need a title to be the most exciting guy on the roster. Moxley's going to win this so they can later set something up for when we make our predictions for the Casino Battle Royale, who wins it. I think a big guy is going to win it. And – because, like, say Lance Archer did win it. Say Brian Cage did win it. Do you think MJF has any chance at all beating any of those guys in a straight-up wrestling match? Only Johnny Moxley can beat those guys. So that's why I, they're, I'm, I'm, MJF does not need to get over with the title belt. He's going to stay doing what he's doing. He's going he's gonna to win the title probably when we name the president uh, in November because he's on his campaign run still. He hasn't won anything yet. Is there a stipulation in this title match? He can't. Oh, uh, yeah. There was supposed to be. There was supposed I to be. He couldn't, use the, he couldn't use the finisher that he does. I think that uh, is still in play. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there you have Moxley it. Can, without Moxley the paradigm can still shift. use his finisher. Uh, right. Without the paradigm shift. We might no, have a title change on our hands. I'm just saying. No, he can, he can use the paradigm shift. Uh, well, why? I thought that was part of the paperwork. Well, if you watched AEW Dynamite, and I was while I was making dinner, so I saw that they were sending a contract. He signed it, but Johnny Moxley did something that altered the contract, so the paradigm shift is still in play. It just I don't says remember that. that yeah, I remember that he altered it so that he could take on the guy's lawyer this week, something uh, like that. Yeah, but 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 I thought the I thought he still gave in on the uh, the finisher, but I don't know. Um, clearly, we're confused, but uh... we can always edit that out if we're wrong. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> no, we gotta leave it in there. I'm, I'm leaving in. I'm leaving in my pick for John Moxley. No, man, just edit it out if we're wrong because we're always right because we keep it kayfabe on keep the kayfabe. Word up. You did so, raise a very valid thing about that battle royal, but um, yeah. So well, who do you think? So this is going to be the bonus point for All Out is who do you think is going to win the casino battle royale? I mean, I'm assuming they're going to bring in a lot of the dark uh, guys that wrestle, but you know like Joy well, Janelle is going to be in there. Taz's whole team is in there, right? Like, uh, yeah, or no, yeah, who was Cage. it? Was it Chat Cage Starks? Um, yep. Wait, somebody then, had a whole team in there, like, oh, freaking uh, Butcher and Blade, Lucha Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingston, Kingston, Butcher, mm-hmm. Blade, Lucha Brothers are all in it. So there's five of the. It's like, tw- like you know, like, and none of them chunk. are gonna win it. None of them are Probably gonna win. Not. It. No, because no, you know, it's. You know, you, it's 
going to yeah. be between Lance Archer and Brian Cage. You think so? That's what I think. I, have, I think Lance Archer is going to win it. I uh, have a cornball pick for that. Can I go with it? Yes. I think Luchasaurus is going to win it. Oh, and great then, pick. And, I, then, and then take on MGF, the champ. I, You know, huh, you actually read my mind. Um, I thought the exact same thing earlier before we even got to this match that Luchasaurus was going to win it. Just because he has history history with MJF. Yeah. Um, they've had a couple programs up to this point, uh, kind of more in the mid card, but that means that this is a great way for them to elevate each other to a championship level. Yes. Um, and I and, definitely and, think they're capable of it. Yeah. And it's somebody and, big that MJF can beat. So it like put, you know, he's not going to lose the title in his first defense. Exactly. So it's a, per, it's a perfect first feud for his championship run. So Matt, you are picking Luchasaurus to win the Casino Battle Royale. I am, yes. Wow, look at that! Ah. Both of us, both of us pick the same surprise pick. Boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy! You know the problem with the Casino Battle Royale though is that they don't announce all the people. So it's like there could be someone as of right now, or even after Wednesday, that we have no idea is in the Battle Royale that's going to win it. Because Brian Cage won that one, didn't he? Win one and like. He wasn't even announced for it, like right? No, that was the latter match in oh. Double or Nothing. But still, it's like I feel like with I feel like with these battle royals and stuff, they always have surprises. They do. Yeah, I think it's going to be like their version of the Royal Rumble for WWE, since that's like their thing. Maybe yeah. they're going to make this thing like their surprise. Give me a cookie, Rusev. It's twenty-one members. It's not twenty. It's twenty-one. So yeah. Yeah, like 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 blackjack. Oh my God, Steve, you might be onto something. If it's Rusev, oh my God, then I'm immediately changing my pick because it's Rusev day every day. Oh my God, Rusev MJF would be so much fun. Matt, I'm going to change your uh, thing to Rusev just so listeners don't think that. No, it's fine. You can change it. You guys have a little something. Wow, I, I don't like the direction of this show and the the host is uh, line item vetoing our picks like without consent. This is this no. is feeling like a hostile work environment. No, Steve, you see what this, this is. This is our society. This is long term storytelling. He makes us think he's the jobber, whereas he's really the guy pulling the strings all along. Yeah, I think that's just what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't wait to see All Out and what happens uh, this this uh, coming weekend. Maybe we should get together. Matt and Steve, I know you guys are going to be getting together to watch it since you guys are new best friends. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is awkward. You can be Trent. I can be Chuck Taylor. Yeah, and so then we'll do, the hug, we'll do the hug and the camera will do the quick roll. Like, uh, every time that cracks me up, the way they do that, that filming of that when they hug. Man, and we shared a Little Caesars pizza last week, Matt. We did. We did. Wow. Closer together for uh, wow. NXT Takeover, and now, now you're going with Steve's picks. And uh, all right, fine. I'm out here on my lonesome. No biggie. I can handle That's it. Right. That's all right. I can handle it. Well, I'm excited nonetheless. It's going to be an awesome uh, uh, pay per view, and this was a lot of fun this week, boys. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and everybody, thanks for listening. Yeah, it's hammer time. In fact, I just got some breaking news on my phone that I there's rumors that Greg the Hammer Valentine is going to be a surprise entry into the uh, Casino Battle He's Royale. He's the 21st man. Uh, okay, if, my... if he shows up, 
change my pick. Yep, same. <laughs> I was just going to yeah. say, like, Rusev's great, but Greg the Hammer Valentine is a shoe. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Matt and I are in a lockstep on this as well, as we usually are. So I'll, yeah. for, sh- I'll for sure change it. The, it may as well be Roman <laughs> Reigns if it's Greg the yeah. Hammer Valentine. Oh, my yeah. God. Good stuff, boys. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Peace. you